Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually and then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 244 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are doing well, and especially in June, I hope that you are having some sense back of normalcy. I feel like this is such a strange year. And so my hope that I'm actually recording this again in mid-April. And I hope that by June that we have semblance of, of normalcy. So today's podcast conversation is a little bit different than what I typically do on the podcast, where we mainly talk about business and entrepreneurship. But my guest today is Roger Nygaard. You may recognize the name. Roger is best known for his highly successful and acclaimed documentary called Trekkies, which if you're a Star Wars fan, you may know about that documentary. I feel like I'm starting to become a Star Wars fan in in adult life. Um, I had a really good friend who was like a big Trekkie, and so maybe he's rubbed off on me. So, but... Roger actually is coming on the podcast to not talk about Trekkies, but more talk about something that he's been working on and actually some insights that he recently learned. He actually has a new documentary called The Truth About Marriage. And what Roger wanted to figure out is what makes for happy relationships. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. And so Roger started by reading lots and lots of books from all different fields about what makes a good relationship. And then he went and interviewed all sorts of folks, everyone from you know, John and Julie Gottman and and all of these different folks about what the insight that they had learned. And so Roger is actually on the podcast talking about some of those insights. I wanted to do this episode just because it is a little different than what selling the couch is usually what I do. But I wanted to do it because um, one, I know that many of us uh, in private practice, we all of us actually work on some level on relationships. And 
all of us have significant relationships, right? And whether it is with romantic relationships or friendships and all of those different things. And so I know that all of us to some level are interested in what makes for a good relationship. And so Roger learned a ton of insights and he's here to learn or uh, to share what he's learned along the way, all about, you know, things like the expectations that we set in our relationships, the importance of connection, periods of connection versus disconnection, how we can express and connect with our partners, how to handle conflict, and all of those different things. Roger's documentary, again, is The Truth About Marriage, which you can find on any of the major, just do a quick Google search and you'll find a number of options where you can download it. But I'm really excited for this conversation. And before we do get to today's podcast session, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Therapy Notes for supporting today's podcast session. If you're looking for electronic health records, I know there are a number of really good options. And uh, one that I really like is Therapy Notes. I've, it's actually there, the ones, the HR that I use for my private practice. And one of the things that has really resonated for me and, and made me want to select Therapy Notes is because it had everything that I need. Um, I only, I have a very small private practice, but the nice thing with Therapy Notes, it's, it's nice for small practices, but it's also great for group practices as well. You can learn about Therapy Notes and the services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash therapy notes. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here's my conversation with Roger Nygaard. Hey, Roger, welcome to Selling the Couch. Great to be here. Thank you. I'm nerdily excited for our conversation. Uh, one, because I'm kind of a Star Trek fan a little bit, but... Oh, two nerds here. Okay, double nerd quotient. <laughs> oh, I, I think this might get nerdy very, very quickly, just based on <laughs> our pre-interview chat. So. But I really am. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for all just the, the creative work and just all the your gifts and just everything you're putting out into the world. So, and I'm grateful you're on the podcast. Thank you. You know, my work, maybe you've noticed the common thread is humor and comedy. And I realized at one point in my life that I like to laugh. I enjoy humor. And the more laughs per day, the better I feel. So luckily in my work, I've been able to follow through and laugh at work as well as outside of work. (laughs) That's awesome. And it's a cool topic we're talking about. and, And I titled it What Makes for Happy Relationships. And so you have done a lot of research, a lot of work on this. And so you created this documentary called The Truth About Marriage, which I just sound, it's just, the title is great, by the way. Well, there's a little bit of humor there too, right? Because how can anyone have the truth, the total truth? But you know what? That's a goal. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, that's a goal for everyone. We actually, um, we just celebrated eight years yesterday, actually. So. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. But what made you create the documentary? My own failures as a human being, I think, in, in, <laughs> in, in relationships. <laughs> I wanted to find out why I was having such a hard time in relationships personally. And then I broadened my scope a little bit to why is it so hard for human beings to be married or to be in a relationship? So I just like an, I'm like an investigator. I set out to solve this mystery of what, why is it so hard for people? And the way I began, I began all my documentaries, my, which are their concept documentaries, where I have an idea or a concept or a mystery that I want to solve. I start by reading a lot of books. I read a, a stack of books, probably five or six feet tall, written by many of the greatest 
or most interesting authors, psychologists, researchers, sociologists, anthropologists on the subject of relationships, human relationships and the history, interaction, counseling, solutions. And as I read through them, I began to formulate my own theory of, oh, so here's what's going on. And now what do we do about it? Once I got to that point and I'd written the questions I really wanted to ask these experts personally, I started sending out emails or contacts or I make phone calls to try to see who would respond and who I could interview. And then I went on the road, took my camera and collected all this data, all these interviews with these really fascinating people like the Gottmans, John and Julie Gottman or William Doherty, who had all written fascinating books, which is how I became aware of them. And I interrogated them all, collected the information and cut together a documentary to which to me, for me, it solved the problem for me. It solved the mystery for me. At the end of it, I had a, I had the answers I was searching for. And why is it so hard? And how can we make it better? That's so cool. How, I mean, there's like so much like golden stuff you just said there. So <laughs> I feel like sometimes we have an idea. And for many of us, we sit with that idea and we don't actually do anything, right? You've learned this process of being curious, but actually taking action. So before we even get to the meat of this, how do you make, how did you learn to make that leap? I become obsessed with an idea or a concept, and I'm very curious about the world. I've always have been. I'm a voracious reader. I love to learn. And I took to heart something that Einstein said, and I actually ended my prior documentary with his quote. My prior documentary was about existentialism. It's called The, the Nature of Existence, another impossible topic. And Einstein said that once you stop learning, you start dying. Your whole life, you should be learning to the very end. Otherwise, you're just waiting to expire. And so I guess I embraced that and pursue whatever it is that obsesses me personally. As a filmmaker, my outlet is to make a, a documentary about it. And the documentaries are kind of more than a hobby, but it's a sideline to what I do. The way I pay for the documentaries is I write, produce, direct television shows and work in the film business. That's so cool. How did you decide you had five to six f f uh, feet of books on this topic? <laughs> How did you filter? Because I mean, I've gone to like Barnes and Noble and you know, you go to the relationship section and there's probably, I don't know, 70, feet, like, you know, 70 yeah, foot massive. high stuff you could read, right? So how did you filter yeah. down and, and figure out like the ones that you did want to focus on? Well, yeah, you just dive in at some point. You don't know, right? You just start, well, this title sounds interesting. And you just start reading. And some things grabbed me more than others. I would pick up a book and start reading. And pretty soon I'm into the finish the first chapter standing in a bookstore. And then of course, on Amazon, you can, you get all the, well, if you like this one, you'll probably like that one. And I just started collecting and I never finished them all. Eventually, I just thought, okay, I just have to start shooting and filming. And as I would go along, I would keep keep doing that. And sometimes when I'm on the road, I've got books with me, and I would keep reading and 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 continue. It's an ever ending process. I mean, it's still going on now. Even though I finished the documentary, I'm not done. <laughs> it was almost like it just opened it up further to me, and I continue to this day. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, to and I mean uh, that's you're living the Einstein quote out, right? Yes, and that's what I intend to do until I, I can't <laughs> until my brain is either full or I'm expired. <laughs> I wanted to share a little, or I wanted to ask you just I mean, I'm very fascinated by what you learned from these conversations. And so even I was thinking about how to structure our time together. And what I thought was if you would be so gracious just to share 
like five of the insights that you shared or that you learned in this journey. Sure. And maybe what we can do is we can go one at a time and dive real deep into them. How does that sound? Yeah, well, that's what I try to do is distill all of the, the, the wealth of information that I got from these people, these experts, these psychologists and et cetera, into easy to understand and put into practice suggestions or, or relationship hacks, however you want to look at it, for, for the lay people, lay person, such as myself. I'm not a psychologist or, an, or a guru or an expert. I'm just somebody who's really curious, a filmmaker who asks a lot of questions and wanted to know, how can I improve my life? Just give me some simple, everyone wants a quick fix, right? There's no such thing. But there are some simple changes that anyone can make in their life to radically change the trajectory of their relationships. And then that will change the happiness factor in your life because the two are so in intertwined. And I was shocked when I, such an obvious realization, but it shocked me to think that in school, in high school, there's no class to teach you how to have a relationship. This thing that's probably the most important thing you will do in your life is have a good relationship or a bad one. No one gives you any clues or suggestions or here's where the minefields are or here are some behaviors that are going to get you in trouble. Just some basic suggestions. Help us out. Nothing. You've got to go out and figure it out on your own. Everyone has to go out and make the same mistakes over and over again. So what can we do to make things a little better? And I did distill them down. Should I just jump right into what I learned? Yeah, yeah, jump right in and then maybe I'll, I'm sure I'll ask some follow-up questions. So. All right, here's the first, the biggest problem that as I was distilling this information, it seems to me the biggest problem we have is that our expectations are out of sync with what is natural for who we are as a species, as a human being. We have unreasonable expectations that one of them, Dr. William Doherty, he puts it this way, we, he calls it the myth of being exceptional. He said almost 0% of engaged people think they're ever going to get divorced. And the statistics show that they're wrong. At least half of them will, or roughly half of them will. That's a pretty big percentage of failure, big failure rate for any product. And so the Gottmans, John and Julie Gottman, Julie Gottman says in my documentary that 69% of issues that couples struggle with are perpetual problems that never go away. So the solution is the only solution. If you want happiness, you don't have to do any of these things unless you want to be happy. <laughs> so the solution is acceptance. You acknowledge the problems and then you move on because your partner cannot change into someone else. They can change their behaviors for a while and they'll probably be resentful and it'll come out in other ways and frustration, which leads to anger, which leads to arguments. You're not an ideal. You're a real individual and trying to force the universe to line up with unreal preferences is going to be doomed in the long run. So you have to acknowledge your problems and your flaws and your partner's flaws and accept them. Dr. Pat Allen, who's one of the psychologists I interviewed, said, you don't have nagging rights, only leaving rights. You can't nag someone into being a different person, but you're going to have to accept who they are. Or, you know, you made the, you got to make better, a better choice. Choose someone who is, doesn't need to be nagged into a different person. So that's, the first realization I had is because of who we are as a human being, as a species, the way we used to interact as human beings 100,000 years ago is so different You know, when we were living in small tribes on the African savanna versus now because our culture has evolved so rapidly, much more rapidly than we evolve as a species, so that we're now living within a culture that asks us to behave in ways that are not in sync with who we are. That's the the first problem. Yeah, that's so fascinating. So it's like, and I, if I could even just start to late, it's almost like we have these like 
high or unrealistic expectations of what our significant other should be. And when they don't meet that ideal, we are left disappointed. And what you're saying is big insight that you learned is instead of doing that, what we should say is, you know what, we're two human beings that are flawed and imperfect and let's accept us for our imperfections as opposed to us trying to fix each other. And it's so hard to do that, right? And it's not our fault, really, that we're in this situation. We, we're born into a situation that sets us up for failure. But there are ways to improve the success rate. One of the couples I interviewed in my, in my documentary, The Truth About Marriage, is a polyamorous couple. And they seem to do quite well as a couple, I noticed. They're very high-functioning. And my conclusion was the reason that they do so well is not because they're polyamorous. When they got married, they decided they were going to keep dating other people after marriage, which is very unusual for most people to consider, but that is working for them. And it's not because that they're not monogamous 100% of the time. The reason that they're successful as a couple is because in order to be polyamorous, it requires them to be completely open with each other about who and what they are right from the beginning. So there are fewer surprises and disappointments throughout their relationship. And what I've done is I met several couples and followed them, met them went to the wedding check back many years later to see how they were doing. And they're still together and still happy and still doing really well. So I guess, how do you, is it a conversation you have with, or is it a series of conversations you have with significant other? What's, how do you, I guess, be transparent about who you are? Yeah, well, nobody's doing that. Imagine when you go out on your first date, you put on a facade, a mask, you put on the best version of yourself because you want to succeed with your, this person you're dating. You want to, you want them to like you. And they're doing the same. And so two masks are dating, a mask dating a mask. And eventually that mask is going to slip. You can't hold it up forever. And then inevitably disappointment follows. It's a recipe for disaster. But that's how we do it. That's how dating happens. So what do you do about that? The solution or one of the suggestions, actually from all of the uh, psychologists and a divorce lawyer, I interviewed a divorce lawyer, they suggest premarital counseling. No one does that or very few Religious people do better than secular people in marriage in terms of longevity because they're forced to do counseling, not because they're religious necessarily, but because they have to talk with each other, whether it's with a priest or a rabbi or whomever, and get some of the ground rules down before they get married. So the solution to that for all people, and I, I wrote a companion book to go with the documentary, and in the, at the end of the book, I put an appendix with a checklist, a priorities checklist that what the experts recommend is that you sit down, let's say you're thinking of getting married, what you should do is take this checklist and go over it with your partner, go down the list, fill it out, actually fill it out individually, and then exchange your answers and then discuss it with the goal of making a, a couple's personal priorities checklist that you're in sync about. How many children do you want to have? Where do you want to live? How light or dark should the bedroom be? There's a number of things that if you just know going in, you're going to have a much better chance if you're in agreement, or at least if you're not in agreement, you know where your partner is on this, this topic, this idea of what's more important to them, having children or going on vacation. I mean, where, which one has a higher ranking in your priorities? And because people don't do that, what they do is one of the psychologists, Dr. John Friel, he put it this way, when couples come to him for therapy, it's like going to the emergency room and saying, I broke my leg six years ago. Can you help me? Well, I could have helped you if you came here six years ago when you first broke your leg. I would have had a much better chance. Now we may have to re-break re it and reset it. And it's going to be a much more arduous process. 
And so premarital counseling tries to intercept those problems in advance and give people a better shot at making it because they just they know each other more intimately before they get started. And when people don't do that, they rely on people such as you, Melvin. They go to that's why counseling is crucial and important to relationships. It forces people to interact and get to know each other. I'm sure you have the answer to this, but some folks are listening. They're in like maybe they, this is these are clients they see. Maybe this is even their personal lives where they haven't done premarital counseling. They're now in a relationship, you know, in a long term relationship. Is it too late to do something like that checklist? Like, no, never too late today. It's like, when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, 10 years ago or today. It's never too late and you should do it. But the problem is, or one problem is that. It's being, the problem is being exacerbated by technology. Everyone is into their cell phones and their computers. You come home from work, you're tired, and your head goes right to your cell phone because we're addicted to this dopamine hit that we get every time we get a like or a text. The solution is, here's another problem, big problem number two that I coalesced out of all of the, the data talking to people. We need connection and disconnection from each other in different amounts, the masculine and the feminine, male, female. We all have that. I have both masculine and feminine within me. And sometimes within my fe- when I'm in my feminine, I have different needs than when, when I'm within my masculine. I'm more masculine than feminine generally. And th- what works best is a combination of masculine and feminine opposites. We're meant to complete each other, not duplicate each other. We're not looking for our duplicate. We're looking for someone who completes us. And that's passion comes from opposites as well. So when we come home and we put our head down and look into our computer, watch TV. We are no longer connecting with each other. And over time, we're becoming more and more habituated toward each other. We take each other for granted and we pull apart. We become very similar instead of maintaining the polarity. The solution is, and I'm, now I'm speaking to the masculine, the masculine partner primarily should listen up, guys, or who's ever the masculine one, because it could be either one. When you come home, the solution is put your phone on airplane mode, look at your partner in the eye and say, honey, how was your day? How are you feeling? And then shut up. Just listen. Because the feminine needs, it's like this relationship vitamin needs 20 to 20 to 30 minutes per day, generally in the evening of listening time, because she's processing the emotions of the day. And she doesn't want your suggestions. She doesn't want you to fix it. She doesn't want your advice. She just needs you to absorb, to, to listen, to be there and express empathy. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's wonderful. Oh, wow. That's all. Don't offer any suggestions. It's very difficult for the masculine because we want to interrupt and interject and offer solutions and ideas. Wow, you should, you know, do this or do that. Why do you stay working there? Why don't you quit? Instead of doing that, just shut up and listen. And then she gets fulfilled. She gets this vitamin that she needs for her soul, for her, her, for her femininity, for her feminine side. And then you can go watch the game. And women or the feminine, the counterpoint to that is don't overfeed on this necessary nutrient 20 to 30 minutes. That's about the amount that a man can handle. If you go beyond that, he starts to tune out. So if couples understand that and realize let's connect for 20 to 30 minutes per day every night with all the distractions put away, it's going to increase your happiness. It's going to increase your passion. It's going to increase your connection. And you're going to be communicating and, and learning about each other more and more. And this is how you solve, one way to solve, help solve that problem of a lack of connection. That's really interesting. 
anything from like same-sex relationships at all? or It doesn't matter. That's one thing I learned is whether gay or straight or anything in between, it's the same formula. Because in a gay pairing or lesbian pairing, one is the masculine and one is the feminine. You need to have opposites. Two masculines doesn't work for long. Two feminines doesn't work for long. It's the opposites that work. Interesting. What about the third insight that you picked up? Well, there's another counterpoint to this is what the masculine needs to provide what I just explained, that was what the masculine needs to provide the feminine. The feminine needs to provide something for the masculine as well. And that's that you have to allow for disconnection. The masculine needs to disconnect occasionally. And the masculine goes through this orbit, this cycle, and wants to connect just as much as the feminine. But once he has the connection, he starts to yearn for freedom. And so he'll go through this orbit where once he's away, he's, he's, he's orbited away, he begins to miss her and wants to return to connection again. So what happens is the feminine wants 20, connection 24-7. The masculine needs to orbit away occasionally. If you get in the way, try to stop that orbit, it leads to frustration and then anger and then argument, conflict. So what you have to do is, the, speaking out ladies or the feminine partner, allow your man or your masculine partner to disconnect occasionally. But men or the masculine partner need to facilitate that. And the way to facilitate that is to announce your disconnection when it's happening. Honey, I'm going to go golfing with my buddies. And then when you announce the disconnection at the same time, announce when you'll reconnect. And I can't wait to see you for dinner tonight at 7 p.m. Now she hears he's disconnecting. She feels secure and safe about it because it's, it's natural and normal. And she knows when they're going to reconnect. And a corollary is you must keep your word. If you say you'll be home at 7 p.m., be home at 7 p.m. If it's going to be midnight, say midnight. It's better to take your lumps up front and to be honest and to, to maintain your reputation. It's, it's all you've got. And you should guard that religiously. Those two complementary aspects are crucial in terms of maintaining a stronger bond and passion and a connection between couples. Yeah, it's really cool. I've never, um, I've heard of it in those words, but actually never like thought about it in the way that you articulated, especially in terms of periods of connection and disconnection and actually disconnection is not a bad thing. This is, yeah, well, this is how my distillation of all the information that I learned. And there's also, there've been books written like by Dr. Chapman, Gary Chapman about the five love languages. And, you know, you need to learn how your partner needs to be loved because the way we need love may be different from our partner. And one of the mistakes we make is to give our partner what we need. And it may not count as much. We need to give their partner what what our partner needs. And another is expressing gratitude. There's something called capitalization, where when your partner comes home and says something really good happened to him or her today, you, if you don't capitalize on it, it counts against you. And that means, but to capitalize, it means saying, Wow, honey, that's amazing. I am so happy for you. Vocalizing your support. If you don't do it, it's a ding against you. If you do it, it increases his or her happiness, it increases your happiness, and it lasts all week long. So gratitude is another thing. It must be vocalized daily, and you must and you should capitalize on your partner's good things that happened. It's really interesting. So I don't know. This is something that we've even thought about in our own marriage. Like, so we we do this currently where we talk about like the things that we're grateful for but i almost wonder like we need to art we need to like intentionally talk about you know something that happened really well today you know that we're proud of right and y- you have to be on guard for the natural inclination to 
what what we tend to do is we listen to someone talk and we're just waiting for our turn. So we can talk about, well, well, here's what I think. Here's what happened to me. And it's better to try to suppress that, particularly the masculine. And instead of saying, well, here's what happened to me, that's similar to what you just said, say, that's amazing that happened to you. Tell me more about how that made you feel. So go instead of, I guess, ha- encourage the partner to articulate further as opposed to you jumping in with as your As much experience. as you can, right. Because that's typically what we do is, well, oh, you, that happened to you. Well, here's what happened to me. No, try to, try to, Pat Allen puts it this way. She says that we need to be aware that men and women need different things with the masculine and the feminine. And the woman needs to talk about her feelings and the masculine or the male needs to talk about his accomplishments. And those are different things. So it's, honey, how are you feeling to the feminine? And it's, honey, how are you thinking? Or, honey, what did you do? What did you accomplish today to the masculine? If you ask a man how he's feeling, oftentimes they, they don't like it because it's, it's mothering. It's, you know, how are you, the way that Dr. Pat Allen puts it is, never ask a man what he's feeling unless he's puking or bleeding. <laughs> because then, of course, you know, it's, it's a medical issue. But with men and women, it's different. They have different needs, different, different emotional needs. And the key word is, how are you feeling to the feminine? Or what are you thinking to the masculine? That's really interesting. Raj, I don't know if you have like any insight on this. But so like, sometimes for me, like, I feel like I'm, and again, it's not like in an arrogant way or anything. But like, I sometimes I feel like I don't fit those gender roles in a way. Like, for example, like when my wife tells me, like, connects with me emotionally, I get, I think I get more connected with that, right? Like, whereas, I mean, the accomplishments, all those matter, but like, I feel like for me, the feelings matter. And maybe it's what you're saying around the the masculine feminine kind of dichotomy that you mentioned earlier. Is that right? You'll have both. You're going to have both needs. Everyone has both in different varying amounts. Interesting. Got it. So let me just summarize kind of, so one is expectations are out of sync. And so we need to have more realistic expectations of what we need from our partner. And isn't that what counseling is about? Is helping people to manage their expectations? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) The second thing is we need connection, disconnection, a periods of connection and disconnection. And then the third was expressing gratitude. And the connection and disconnection in different amounts. And particularly now when we're, everyone is kind of stuck at home in, in lockdown, it's crucial to understand that we need these, this, this time of disconnection because suddenly we're disconnecting less. We're forced to be together all the time. And one of the solutions is to be aware of that. And then if you're used to in the past, disconnecting for eight hours a day because you go to work, you maybe should continue to disconnect for that same period of time, have areas of the house or wherever you live. Well, this is your area and this is my area during these eight hours. We're going to go disconnect like we used to. And then we'll reconnect after that time period to kind of maintain the the ritual that has been normal for us for so long. Yeah, that is interesting. I guess the only complicating factor because we're running into this because I think I felt like before this whole COVID thing, we had a nice system, right? Like I worked from home a certain amount of hours. My wife was, you know, works out of the home. But now it's like we're both home and we have the baby and the baby's normally with grandparents, right? So I guess, what do you do in a situation like that? Because now it's like not as clear cut, right? Because one of us has to take care of the baby, like, you know, so. Yeah, you, it's a ritual, you know, you're used to a certain ritual and you want to try to approximate it, even though you can no longer do it the way you used to. 
to maintain what feels right, what feels natural. Otherwise, you feel uprooted. It feels you have to readjust to a new normal, which is not normal. And because we, especially your masculine side does need to disconnect occasionally. Any other insights that you learned? I spent a lot of time learning about conflict and how to handle conflict. And it turned out I learned from these psychologists that there are better ways of handling conflict. And that's a big part of what counseling is about, isn't it? Helping couples manage their differences in their ways that we do it wrong. <laughs> of course, we're all doing it wrong to some degree, some less wrong than others. But Dr. Gottman, a big part of his research is studying how couples, how they fight. And it's important how you manage and do conflict. Gottman's famous for his four horsemen, you know, criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling, and how those destructive behaviors affect relationships. And I, I was blown away. I was fascinated by, I'm sure you've heard this, that Gottman claims that he can predict with 90% accuracy whether a couple will stay together or break apart. And if they stay together, how happy they will be by observing one particular indicator, the existence of contempt. If he sees either partner displaying contempt, like a superior attitude, looking down or belittling the other the partner, rolling of the eyes is contempt, sighing, not valuing or respecting their thoughts or opinions. That is uh, the number one sign of trouble and probably a strike against relationship longevity. And the antidote to contempt is, maybe it seems obvious, but it's talking about what you feel and what you need. Telling your partner what you need. Ask for what you need. That's another, that's a big one. People can't read minds. You've got to tell your partner, here's the recipe for what works with me. I remember I was dating this girl once many years ago and I was having a lot of trouble and she was complaining and I said, just kind of half joking one day, maybe fully joking. Can you just give me a list of what you need? And she said, okay. She wrote down the 10 things she needed and gave me the list. And I was like, wow, these are the keys, keys to the kingdom. I was so happy. It was things like, hold my hand. Tell me you miss me. I mean, okay, open car doors for me. This is what she wanted and what she needed and liked and made her feel valued and cherished. And I can do those things. I want to do those things. I didn't realize that how important it was to her to, to be told, I miss you. Vocalize that daily. And you've got to tell your partner what the, is what it is, the recipe for your happiness. Yeah, as opposed to expecting that even if someone has known you for a long time, that they can somehow still read it. Why not just help them get there faster? Mm. <laughs> they want help. They want to know. So I learned a lot about managing conflict. And one of the ways, another way, here's another uh, thing that I thought was fascinating. Dr. Bonnie Eaker-Weil and Dr. Pat Allen agreed, both suggested that the best way to deal with conflict is to make an appointment, fighting by time-limited appointment. If you've got something you need to discuss, honey, I need to talk to you about the garage <laughs> or whatever, you know, the, the uh, messiness of the house. The best way to approach the masculine partner is to ask for an appointment. Honey, I'd like to talk to you about the garage. When is a good time? Today, hopefully, when we could discuss it. And if he says, well, I can't today. Well, okay, how about tomorrow morning? Okay, 10 a.m., fine. You write it down on a piece of paper because then that makes it real. If you just talk about it, it's like, oh, I forgot. Or I don't remember exactly what was said. If it's on a piece of paper, that's real and it's an appointment. Now, the masculine brain, the, that person has time to think about it, prepare for it. Men are not, I'm especially this way, I'm not good with ambush discussions on emotional topics particularly. If I have time to know it's coming, I'm much better prepared. 
and then limit the discussion to 20 minutes. Because if you're discussing or arguing about something longer than 20 minutes, it's no longer about that issue anymore. Other things come up and you start what they call kitchen sinking, bringing in, a, well, this also bothers me and this bothers me and it leads to a big argument. A time-limited 20-minute discussion about one issue is the best way to handle disagreements. And it sounds like, and set uh, set a, get like a, a time you're going to discuss it as opposed to ambushing. Exactly. And it works better. You have a better outcome. Both partners are happier because that's what we want, right? We all just want to be a little bit happier in our relationship. We have the same goal in mind. And these are little tools, relationship hacks for helping you achieve that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can't believe like our time just flew by, but (laughs) I really am grateful for you. I mean, what just wonderful insight. Where can we learn? Because I I imagine folks are are listening and they're like, man, I want to check out this documentary. So where can we learn about you? Where can we learn about the documentary? Right. Okay. Well, the film is called The Truth About Marriage, and it's on Amazon, iTunes, Vudu, wherever you get your video on demand. And later in the year, it'll be on streaming and available even more widely. The book as well is available on Amazon. And the book is kind of more of a repository of all the information I learned. I can only fit so much in the documentary, which is really more, in many ways, it's a comedy. Because if you don't laugh, you'll go crazy. And human relationships are pretty funny. (laughs) And so the film is really a funny exploration of human interaction with a lot of, of ideas and concepts for how to improve our relationships along the lines of what we've been discussing together just now. But both are available online and you can go to my website if you want to just go to the one, one-stop shopping to find links, thetruthaboutmarriage.com. Perfect. Roger, thank you again for doing this. And I'm really grateful that you had the courage to jump in and explore a topic I know that is so key to our profession. And uh, yeah, just grateful for your insights. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Well, I mean, relationship counselors are doing vastly important work and it's only going to become more important what you do over time. I think because of technology is, is leading people to disconnect more than they should. And counselors are helping people to reconnect in the proper way. So thank you for what you're doing as well. Um, You're welcome on behalf of the field. So (laughs) have a great rest of your day and thank you again. You're welcome. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Roger, and especially if you're in a private practice, particularly dealing with relationships, which I imagine all of us are. I hope that today's podcast sessions just giving you some additional insights. I know it's a little bit different than what we cover on Selling the Couch, but I thought it was just a cool interview and sometimes a a cool guest and a cool interview and just wanted to share that with you. Roger, Again, documentary and book is called The Truth About Marriage. And again, you can find both of those on a number of different platforms. So just do a quick search on Google and you should be able to to find it as well. Yeah, as I was reflecting on this conversation, I think a number of things really, really resonated for me. I think two of the biggest ones are that, you know, that the importance of periods of connection and disconnection. I feel like, you know, especially for like Susan and I, I think this is something that we've thought a lot about because, you know, they're in the early stages of our marriage. And I think this is because we really didn't articulate this, you know, at the time, but I definitely need periods where I just need to like recharge and need to like be alone. And Susan was like, why? And and I think we've gotten better, but I think it was, it was neat to hear in terms of connection and disconnection. And the other thing is just uh, the importance of gratitude and just expressing that that gratitude on a daily basis. Show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 244. 
As we wrap up again, I just wanted to thank the team over at Therapy Notes for supporting today's podcast session. Therapy Notes is electronic health records. And one of the things that I really love about Therapy Notes is they actually have a client portal. So it helps you manage everything all in one place. So you have, you can put all of your clients' clinical notes, billing stuff, scheduling, all of that kind of stuff all under one database. And when clients wrap up and stuff, you still have access to all of that. So you can just pull up any sort of correspondence, anything that you've had, and it's all kind of streamlined all in one place. You can find more about Therapy Notes and learn more over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash therapy notes. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.